Have you ever wondered what it takes to build a successful business in the Australian property industry? Well, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Business and Property Development, a monthly podcast in which industry leaders share their insights and experience with host Harry Karadimus. Hello and welcome to Business and Property Development. This month, I have the privilege of sharing with you a conversation I had with creative agency veteran Mark Stewart. Mark, along with his co-director Pete, have been building and running Rare for the past 25 years. Within that period, they've been recognised as pioneers and outfront leaders in the field of property development-related marketing and branding. If you've ever stepped into a display suite for an upcoming project or perused through a development brochure, the dream being presented to you is the culmination of an agency like Rare's creative skill to position a project well before a shovel enters the ground. As you can imagine, the early success of a project in achieving hype and ultimately pre-sales lies with their market knowledge and experience for how to launch a project's creative campaign to ensure success for their clients. I wanted to record a conversation with Mark because of the prolific nature of Rare's work, but also to understand how Mark and Pete have navigated two and a half decades of business building with all that comes along with it. True to the podcast theme, Mark shares some amazing stories about the early days and the actionable lessons that have carried the company to where it is today. So, without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Mark Stewart. Mark, welcome to the podcast. Thanks great for to having me. Yeah. It's great to have you with me. I've been very much looking forward to this conversation today for a couple of reasons. The first being Rare is a leading property development, marketing, branding and digital agency. And the second is that at the top of your game for a considerable period of time. I know you don't like me saying 25 years, but, but yeah. it is. So It is a long time. Yeah. It is a long time. You know, ordinarily one of those achievements is is amazing enough, but you've managed to get two of them. So very much looking forward to the stories and experiences that have carried you and the company this far. Before we get into those key themes, I wanted to ask you a couple of brief questions to paint a picture of you for our audience. Sure. If you can tell me where were you born and where did you grow up? I was born in the UK. My parents emigrated to South Africa when I was about two in the 70s. They split up. I went back to the UK with my mum and my brother. Grew up in Devon in England. Finished school, went to an agricultural college, just wanted to work with animals. Was was unsure of what my career path was going to be at that stage, like a lot of young people. Three years at college, ended up working on a farm, and then I moved to South Africa to try and play rugby in 96, catch up with my dad and spend time in Africa. And I moved back to the UK with a girlfriend, and I think at that stage was quite important because she was the one that said, let's go to Australia. And I'd never had a, any thought of coming to Australia at, at that stage. To me, being English, it was just, you know, um, a big red yeah. island in the middle of nowhere, far, far away. And I, I came to Australia in 99. No uh, hope of farming in Sydney. Picked up the newspaper and saw an ad for no experience necessary, door-to-door sales and gave that a crack. At the time, it was selling the Olympic Club, promoting packages that gave people memorabilia and the opportunity to get tickets to the Games, which was quite an experience. So it's hard work, isn't it, door to door? (laughs) It is, but it teaches you a lot of lessons because it's commission only. You have to really work with your, your peers when you get back to the office if you haven't made any sales, what worked for you, try something else the next day positive mindset, positive attitude, hard work with, with no reward. That was a really good lesson for me. Persistence. Persistence, persistence. Yeah. I got quite good at sales. Apparently I talk a lot. 
<laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, a friend of mine owned a real estate advertising agency and he said, look, we need a salesperson. You tell me you're quite good. Could you come along and, and meet my business partner? So I went along to WDA at the time in Brookvale, Northern Beaches of Sydney. They sat there in front of us, in front of me, and said, what do you think of this? It was a signboard with a plastic frame around it. And I was like, yeah, looks pretty cool. And yeah, well, that, you'd, you'd be selling these. And I was yeah. like, okay. And so I started working at WDA, worked there for a couple of years selling real estate services, so signboards, brochures, back in the early 2000s. Oh, so it wasn't necessarily the properties themselves, it's the kit that yeah, people marketing. used to sell. So yeah. I would go to real estate agents and get them to leave whichever agency they were utilising for those services to join WDA. So my job was to basically do sales and build the business. I was there for probably two years just doing that. And that's where I met Pete, my business partner now. He was the creative director at WDA. Wes and Steph, the owners, who had multiple businesses, very smart businessmen, entrepreneurs, had several businesses and were continually buying printing companies, brochure printing presses, um, signage companies to bring it all under the one roof. And I noticed that they were doing quite a lot of other creative campaigns, more than the templated Manly Daily Ad brochure signboard. They asked me to start doing sales for off-the-plan property. And that's how you know I sat down with Pete and those guys and started to understand that side of the business and start promoting sales for that because that stage WDA had taken up quite a large market share in real estate and that was where the opportunity was to move forward. So was off the plan sales and property marketing and branding a thing back then or was it? It was very new. Pete probably did the first or one of the first off the plan project campaigns in Australia when Green Square was all industrial and did some other campaigns, Pavilions on the Bay and a few others. So it was starting out and off the plan itself wasn't a huge way to sell property. Developers weren't buying sites and spending money with architects and seeing where it might go, but it started in the 90s. So was that where the genesis of Rare is? Correct. Through through WDA, we started WDA Creative, decided we would split off from the main real estate part of the business and solely focus on property development, creative branding, and the marketing materials for that. So we moved from Brookville to North Sydney. That's how it started. That's how it started. Wes and Steph, who were partners, gave gave Pete and I the opportunity to have shareholding in the company, so 25% each. So we all shared the risk in the business because they had lots of other companies, probably a lot bigger than what we were at that stage. We made a decision that we go out on our own and they were happy with that. At that time, it made sense for everyone and two young guys to, to go out on their own and, and give it a crack. And that's when we looked at changing the name because we wanted to have our business ethos and, and what we stood for in terms of what we were going to do with the property marketing completely separate. So there was no association to a templated real estate design process because in the market people just thought, I know what WDA is, am I going to get a template? So we had to change the name. Sitting down, bottle of red wine, what's in a name and rare identities and digital identity, which is actually the company name, was born. Ah, and yeah. did you have a vision for what the company was going to be at the very beginning or? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, we didn't. We didn't. We just knew that we wanted to be seen in our own yes. light. The great thing about the opportunity we were given by Wes and Steph was that we were two young guys that we could have just been employees, but they were very clever in giving us that opportunity because it made us work a lot harder knowing we had skin in the game but we never really sat down and we were working 
never really thinking about where we should go with the business. Yeah. Took a few years to really understand that because we were learning how to run a business. So from day one, it's on me. It's on you. That's and right. how does MYB work and what's this expense and can we do this better? So we learn yeah. the hard way on, on how to run a business. It was kind of just doing the maths on when you would have picked up being a director of a company and it sounds like you were quite young when you took it on. Particularly Pete. Pete's a few years younger than me as yeah. well. So Getting thrown in the deep he, end. Early 20s. Which is pretty incredible, you know. Yeah, now I think about it. <laughs> At the time, never really thought about it. Yeah. We were just very, very focused on working. We knew we wanted to build something. When you don't go to uni and you don't study a business degree, you don't understand a lot about business. Mm. And and to be fair, I think we learnt a lot. And, and the great thing was with having two business partners as well was that all the risks were shared. shared. Um, so if we made a mistake... <laughs> together. All, all four yeah. people yeah. were involved, but if we, you know, if we earned money, we didn't make everything either. It can be quite a lonely experience uh, starting a business, particularly on your own, especially if you don't have the guidance. And that's actually something that I wanted to get into. But yeah, so the early days was basically the four of you that, that could start and lean on each other for the experience. So that was probably one of the key things that I wanted to run through was mentors and guidance. So was it the two business partners that started WDA? It was Williams Design Associates, yep. Stefan Williams and his wife, Janelle started that. Wes Wessels joined the business and helped to grow. They ended up, I think they've sold a business recently, over 100 million. So they're very, very clever business people. They saw an opportunity to turn what they were doing in a templated design business online 20 years ago. I remember being there in Brookvale and agents coming in, they're showing them on, with a projector. This is a system that you can go in and create stuff and the real estate just go, yeah, I want you to do it for me. Because in real estate, what we've seen over those over those years is that very slow to adopt new tech. I mean, only, only with COVID really has everything gone really to digital because it's had to. Buyers couldn't come into the display suite. Mm. So prior to that, you're still building displays because you have to show that tangible element of what we were doing. Yeah, Wes and Steph basically gave us an opportunity that I'd never would have, growing up, never have thought I, I could have got. You know, it actually came about because they actually had another business partner in WDA Creative. I was doing the sales for them, because I was doing sales for WDA, and she was leaving, and I'd suggested to them someone else that I knew. And then I remember driving home, and I phoned my wife, and I was like, I really want to take this opportunity to get the shareholding. And she's like, I think you need to do it. So I phoned them and I said, I want the opportunity. And I went and sat down with them and ran through it all. And yeah, they said, okay, you, you know the business now, so you're in. To show me sometimes in life you have to take a risk and you have to chase something. What was going through your head at that point in time? Like, Were you anticipating asking for the shareholding or were you... No. Was it just something that you thought, hang on a minute bit of a light bulb moment where you thought I actually I literally should... light bulb I'd phone my wife I said I think you know so-and-so would be really good to come in and and she was like yeah but she, what about you and I was like what about me yeah. oh my god what am I thinking <laughs> it was just like I say not going to uni thinking I'm going to run a business I was coming from the ground up sometimes the ceilings put there and, and sometimes those ceilings can be quite false and it was a false ceiling I just thought it was there they didn't come to me and bring it to me. They yeah. just said, we need someone. And it was just because I asked, we sat down and had the conversation. Yeah. It's, it's interesting taking the leap from college and then the moment where you start to take on a directorship role. So It is a bit different, but I think, you know, growing up, my mum used to clean caravans and I'd go along and help when I was younger. And that hard work, you know, farming is not an easy, it's a manual 
job, it's hard work. You know, arriving in Sydney, knocking on doors isn't easy. You know, my dad has always said, there'll always be opportunities that come along in life. It's just whether you take them and whether they're the right ones. You've just got to be aware that they're coming, that, that things will come and then make a decision if, if it, you know, is the right one. You're never quite sure if it's the right one. Though, You're never you? quite yeah. sure, but taking a risk as well is it's what off the plan property industry is. Risk and reward. Taking a risk. And those guys were very entrepreneurial, mentored Pete and I at a young, younger starting point in our, in our lives where we would never have got that opportunity elsewhere. Out of curiosity, what were some of the key lessons that they instilled in you through that mentorship and guidance? Aim high. Seeing, I'll never forget Steph presenting this thing he called Campaign Track, this online system to agents and just their response. And it was really groundbreaking beyond anything they could get into their heads, which is why they would resist. They just couldn't see the future. He really could see the future. That was quite interesting because over the years, over the last 20 years, we've seen that come to fruition and they've sold that business recently. It's taken that time. It's taken 20 years. 20 years. I think he even had the idea before I joined. Don't be scared to aim high because if you fall short, you're still probably going to end up better than, you know, it's a cliche, right? But you're going to end up better than where you were if you didn't set a goal. And I think from the business side, Wes was very good with monetary accounting, making sure that the business was running the right way. So when we took over, we actually made sure that we bills got paid, always pay our smaller suppliers as quickly as possible, make sure there's there's money in the bank. For the first year we worked, we worked on a really small salary to make sure we built up equity in the business and we've never had a business loan. And, and that was some of the lessons that, that they taught us. Making sure you've got enough for a rainy day, but that rainy day could be 12 months in property. If there's a GFC, which no one knew was coming at that point, or COVID, can you survive for 12 months? And that's always been a key for us is, is not get excited about money and the, and, the, and the profit and taking out of the business, making sure that it's there and can you cover your expenses for 12 months. In the early days, once you've broken off and you're starting to operate as an individual brand and company, what, what did it look like in the early days? You know, where did you start? What did the surroundings look like? You know, was it out of a garage or was it in an office? We started quite well. We were part of this bigger company. So we did have people that were our partners that, you know, were entrepreneurs. So we positioned WDA Creative when it started in North Sydney which was then like Surrey Hills is today, where a lot of creative agencies were. Good building in West Street, opposite the Union Hotel, great for staff, great access to the trains, and the office fit-out was great. And we were doing, we had a retail arm, we had a digital arm, and we had the property marketing arms. Probably had 25 staff. Off the bat? Well, because the business had built up to a point. We had so much cost expenses in the business. That's when Pete and I said, look, we think we can go out on our own and they took the, the retail business back to all their printing facilities, it was easy for them to manage. And we just went through all our expenses and I, I took the punt, I sat with Pete, I said, I think we can cut a few things here and try and manage it a bit tighter. So we started off with quite a big, heavy business from day one and we went through over, over 12 months trying to tighten up the ship as it were. Was it just yourselves and then did you have other people that were within the new rare? We had oh, 12, 15 staff. But to be honest, it was pretty chaotic at that point. I think Pete and I, again, being young guys, we didn't understand. You know, we're used to being an employee. Suddenly, you're the CEO and you're the CFO. And then all these people, other people used to come into meetings and talk to the teams. And it's just Pete and I. It's like, you know, to be fair, we that lack of experience did affect the business. I think in terms of staff and team, 
we were battling a lot of different things trying to get the business to work properly. We weren't very good leaders at, at, at that point. And we've, we've grown over the years. I think the, the GFC probably was the best thing that happened for our business. Not every day that you get to Same. hear that. Yeah. Well, we grew, which not a lot of businesses did. What do you think that was off the back of? We joined a networking group of young businessmen and, and women, and they would organise a lunch and have people come and speak. And I think just before, just as the GFC was hitting, they had PwC come and talk. Greg from PwC stood up. He was running their private clients, so looking at business management as well as financial side. We were sitting there and he just said, what's going to happen the next 12 months is going to be a lot of carnage. We see this all the time. But after that, there's going to be opportunity. And the expenditure on marketing for businesses, for all businesses, you need to be aware, you need to start ramping up now because the opportunity to take market share will be huge. And it's going to go like that. I went back and said to Pete, I said, I think we need to meet this guy. I think he's going to be expensive. I emailed him. Can we have a coffee? He said, sure. Called up, explained who we were, what we were trying to do. He gave us a proposal. And I said to Pete, I think we need to use this advice and give this a, a really good shot. That was the best thing we ever did. Yeah, okay. Because, you know, we'd, we'd been given the opportunity, but we didn't understand what to do with the opportunity. And I think what he did, gave us like a 75-page report. He interviewed clients. He interviewed clients that had left us. He interviewed clients that we hadn't spoken to yet, interviewed our staff, did a competitor analysis, did a full financial review of our business, gave us an action list from hearing what our staff said about us, which was quite confronting. It was things like, we should move offices, we should have staff lunches, we should have outside people coming in to talk to the staff. We sat down and we made a hit list and we, we tried to achieve every single thing on there. And it was the best thing we ever did. Not an easy decision to make though, for a small company to spend that kind on a, on a consultant and to expect that you're going to get a lot of traction from it. So it's, it's pretty bold. But again, going back to... The original mentors, aim high, believe in what you're going to do. And my dad is quite a successful businessman. In his own rights, always said, pay for other people's brains. And it's true. We have consultants regularly come in to our business. We do at the moment. So you've had people come in and advise and, and make sure that things are in tip-top shape if they're not? And Because we realised that we weren't business people. We're good at what we do. We're still good at what we do, but we're not business people per se. We, we now probably have that through experience. On that point of growing in the GFC, would you say that was like a tipping point for where Rare came to today? So. Yeah, definitely. I think that was where, you know, we really looked at ourselves, our brand positioning. As I say, it was confronting what our staff thought of the business, how we had to reposition ourselves. We wanted to be known as the best. To do that, we had to go into lots of pitches. We had to chase people, which we hadn't been doing before. So we went knocking on doors, got invited to a lot of pitches, and the business grew. From the GFC, we probably doubled every year in turnover for four years to a point where we built a team of maybe 15 or more in our business. We, we've always had like a static staff full-time. We've never had contractors because we've always believed we need people that understand our business and understand Pete's philosophy for the brand and where it needs to be executed. Bringing people in that don't know that makes it very hard to, to give the clients what they need. You almost took on a business that had the same quantity of staff that you ended up with post the growth, but it sounds like the learning experience from getting smaller and then starting on a lower base and then building back up again with the management experiences. Yeah. Well, it's all about foundations. Yeah, right? yeah, so, yeah. And getting those foundations right. Staff's really important for us. Our product is, is ideas and thoughts and the people that work with us that understand that. 
that GFC gave us the impetus, I guess, to get that report and to action all those items. And one of the key things, and actually this is probably one of the most critical things Pete and I have ever done, one of the things that came back from staff was like, we're unsure on Mark and Pete's job roles because we would cross over managing clients and I might come back and critique something and, you know, Pete is creative director, you know, I was responsible for delivering the projects and he would come back and go, well, I think we should do this. And I was like, oh, we did butt heads a little bit for a few years because it wasn't clear. There was no clarity. And one of the things that came back from the report was we needed to resolve our job descriptions. So we had to sit and write out our job descriptions, agree, and then we put that to the staff and said, this is who, who you go to for what? Quite bizarre because we grew so organically and that's that can be the challenge for a small business. And again, not having those experiences is that someone with, with a business brain and acumen's come in and go, well, you haven't clearly defined your roles. That was probably the tipping point because at that stage, we were doing a lot of joint roles. From there, we hired account managers to come in which Pete and I had probably been doing most of the management at that stage. And then we had three account managers. So we were able to grow quite significantly because they were all able to run multiple projects at any one time. And I think there was a stage there in the, like 2015 was probably our biggest year in terms of amount of probably, probably running 30, 40 projects. Yeah, so it sounds like it's the confusion in roles comes from ordinarily you're starting in and you're working in the business and then slowly sort of having to step out of it. Once you bring in account managers, then you're yeah. sitting over well, the top. Well, that gives you the ability to grow. That allows you that structure. We had a consultant at that point from Melbourne that came up and again, sat with our team, talking to staff, getting feedback. PwC did another review of our business 2015, getting that feedback to continually grow. So the business grew quite dramatically. There was a lot of Asian influence in the market coming in to purchase in Sydney. There was a huge boom. This is the end of the first part of the episode. I trust you've enjoyed listening to Mark's journey and the fascinating genesis of Rare. Coming up will be the second part of the episode where we discuss Rare as a business. Mark highlights some of the key decisions and business insights they've made to enable and support the quality of their work. As you will come to see, these actionable lessons and insights are incredibly valuable as building blocks for carrying a business forward. See you soon.